welcome to episode 61 of In the Saddle podcast. This week's betting preview will be covering all the top racing action on Saturday at Cheltenham with um, a feature race at Doncaster as well. So this week's panel includes Lucky Loader, Chris Loader, Paul Callahan, and special guest this week, Richard Johnson. How are you doing, Richard? Yeah, no, very good, thank you. Um, no, pleasure to be here. Good. Chris, how's things? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. I'm hoping that the action can go ahead at Cheltenham on Saturday. It's not looking very good, but if it does get the green light, it'd be a great day's racing. Yeah, some really smart horses due to be out, so fingers crossed it can go ahead. How are you doing, Paul? Oh, it's good. Thanks, uh, Katie. Had a, enjoyed the, the action today from, from Goran Park. Thought Cocoa Beach was, I wouldn't have backed Cocoa Beach if the race was run another 10 times. Um, I was with Acabella Bourgeois, but no excuses, just on the day wasn't good enough. And I thought the winner was a cracking bit of, bit of place and then training from Gordon Elliott once again. Perfect. Glad that you've had a good day. Okay, so Saturday's racing. So first race we're going to cover, the 225 Paddy Power 45 seats Cheltenham Cotswold Chase. It's grade two. Let's start with Paul Callahan. I think this is going to be a cracker. Um, yeah, Bristol de May looked as good as ever when taking the, the big race at Haydock in his seasonal reappearance. Santini, I wouldn't be a massive fan of, of getting, I think he's a bit of a dude, but as far as investment purposes, I mentioned before, I think he's a horse that would follow a steam train, I think, the length of the, of the country, but I think being asked to, to pass it, I think he just kind of asked why. Um, Native River, I was a, he, he runs with his heart in his sleeve, which I'm sure Richard's going to talk more of. He was toward in his seasonal reappearance. But I'm going to side with, with St. Calvados here, who was fourth when last seen. He was fourth in the King George in reappearance. He was keen, which he was entitled to be. It was his first run of the season. He didn't jump as well as he could have done, but he, he rounded off last season, finishing a good second behind Min at the festival in the Ryan Air last March. He's won on heavy ground in the past, and I think he's, he's going to be, I think with that run, he's going to be, you know, he should strip fitter and a lot sharper for, for Saturday, hopefully. We all get the all clear, so it's St. Calvados for me. Yeah, there's a lot to like with him, um, but that does lead us on then with your mention of Native River. Dickie, do you want to talk to us about him? Uh, yeah, look, he's um, he's in very good form. He actually felt really well at Aintree. Um, look, I'm not making excuses for him because, you know, obviously we couldn't have jumped the fences that day because the sun was horrendous. But, um, you know, he's, he's a horse that jumps really well. And I think, you know, the fences not being in for him was, you know, was was definitely a negative. Um, obviously, Froden was well beat that day. And obviously, he came out and won the King George afterwards. Um, you know, there was no excuses on the day for him. But I think the really testing ground, obviously, if it is on, it is going to be an absolute slog. Um, you'll need a horse that gets four miles, probably. Um, I know he'll definitely stay um, and he'll hand, hand the conditions. I think... Santini, this probably is his race of the year. You know, the testing conditions will be at the best of him. Um, I would be worried for St. Calvados' connections that, yeah, again, a slog around Cheltenham. Um, he didn't really look for me to really see out the three miles at Kempton on better ground. So hopefully we'll outstay him. But um, obviously for me, Native River is the, you know, um, well, he's one of my best horses i got to ride. And, you know, um, I'd like to think he's going to take all the beating. Thank you very much. Chris Loder. Yeah, I'm going to side with Santini here. I just think 
coming back to Cheltenham will just bring the best out in him, to be honest with you. If you actually look at his Cheltenham record, he's never finished outside of the first three, and his worst performance was when he finished third in the Albert Bartley. You know, he won this race last year where I thought he was really impressive. He was a close a second in, in the Gold Cup. I know he's had a couple of excuses, and he's not maybe the most straightforward of horses. Um, I thought his run actually in the King George wasn't that bad, bad on a track that probably wouldn't have suited him. It was a bit of a messy race, as Dickie said, uh, there in the many clouds, you know, with all the, the fences uh, taken out and it coming more of a flat race in the closing stages. Um, I do think it, it's a, quite a close race between the main um, three in the market, between Santini, Bristol de May and Native River. I think they've all got really good chances, but I just think Santini at Cheltenham, he his younger legs might just prevail, and uh, I think he still could go well in the Gold Cup and uh, I wouldn't discount his chances. So for me, I'm just coming round towards Santini. How do you feel about Aidan Coleman taking the ride? Yeah, interesting. Well, Nico de Boinville's going up to Doncaster to ride Shishkin. Uh, I was actually talking to Paul about this earlier, saying if uh, Santini and um, Champ go to the Gold Cup, who would ride who? You'd probably think that Nico would be on Santini and maybe Aiden would be on um, on Champ because of his relationship with JP. But yeah, it's it's an interesting jockey booking. But uh, yeah, that that would be the reason why Aiden's on because Nico um, obviously wants to go and uh, get another win on Chishkin. And why wouldn't he? Super smart. Perfect. So three different selections for the first race that we're covering at Cheltenham. So we've got Chris Loader. Um, with Santini, uh, currently best price available is 11 to 4. Paul Callahan with St. Calvados at 11 to 2. And then Dickie Johnson with his ride for this race, Native River, at 4 to 1. So the next race, guys, is the 3 o'clock Ballymore Novices Hurdle. It's a grade 2 race again. Let's start with Chris Loder this time. Yeah, well, I probably want to be asking Richard uh, on his chances on this one, Annual Invictus. I, I, I would rather be with Annual Invictus than, than Bear Gills. I know Bear Gills has looked very impressive so far, um, unbeaten from his bumper and over hurdles. Um, but I just haven't been impressed with that, his jumping, you know. Um, he's not not the most slickest of jumpers. And I just think in a, in a better race, um, he might get found out against some improving types. Obviously, he's still going to be improving and going on an upward curve but that would just worry me uh in this field he, he did win a handicap at exeter um quite nicely off a mark of 130 but i think his engine got him through that and i just wonder would his jumping stand the test in this race and i, I quite like canyon victus i always go on about chris gordon because he's my local trainer and i always keep an eye out for his horses i know that they like this lads um he he'd done the job quite nicely on his last a couple of starts, but maybe Dickie might be able to tell us a little bit more about him. Yeah, no, look, he, um, I rode him at Ascot his first run of the season, and he was a good second that day. And um, look, he's very, very straightforward, jumps really well. Um, that day, he was almost a mile and seven round. Ascot was on the sharp side for him. Um, obviously, it was two and a half when he won the last day, and it was, wasn't a strong race, but he's definitely he's got he's got loads of ability. Um, he's a good, strong jumper, and I think he'll handle the conditions. Which, again, the, the thing about um, Fair Grills is he's he's obviously a very, very talented horse, but at the moment, you know, his his jump jumping hasn't 
stood up. Um, and I think, yeah, his ability has got him through to this point. Um, but obviously, if you jump like he has the last couple of times, you know, in this quality race um, on bad ground, it, it could that could be enough to, you know, really make his chances um, struggle. Paul Callahan, what do you think of that? I'm with the favourite. I'm with Bear Gillis. Um, he's perfect four from four. All wins have come on soft grounds. I don't think his win the last inning was over two two at Exeter, which would be near enough the probably the equivalent to two and a half round Cheltenham. I don't think his jumping there's going to be nothing happening at speed. I think at Cheltenham if it does get to go ahead, so like I think you know the fractions will be fairly not going to go mad gallop early on. I'd imagine so. Do you know, it should give him plenty of time to, to warm up and get into a nice rhythm. You'd imagine he's four from four. You'd imagine he, he's getting better. One of them coming at a bump where he's three from three over hurdles. Do you know, he's going to, you'd like to think he'll get sharper as the season progresses. Um, and I thought at Exeter the last day, I thought he looked a bit special. I think he, he'll have plenty of time to warm up on Saturday. And I fancy Bear Gillis to, to keep his unbeaten record intact. There we go. Is this a match bet race? So we have got... Richard Johnson with his Mount Annual Invictus. Chris Loder also getting on board with that with his favourite trainer, local trainer, Chris Gordon. And then Paul Callahan going against the grain with Bear Gills. So Bear Gills is currently best price available 11 to 10 and Annual Invictus is 7 to 2. So next one at Cheltenham, the 335 Paddy Power Cleave Hurdle, another grade two race. Let's start with Richard Johnson. Um, yeah, obviously, look at um, obviously another very good contest. Um, Paisley Park obviously is going to be very, very hard to beat. I think you know he's obviously um, just chinned me in the, the long walk at Ascot that uh, was very frustrating. Um, but I think you know the form of of, of the Newbury race um, and now the the Ascot race has been franked so many times. It, you know, it's very, very strong. Um, you, you know, he is going to be very very hard to beat um and you know he handles the conditions stays well loves the track um and yeah i i ride you know what i mean harry um unfortunately you know he's probably not the horse he was a few years ago obviously he's 13 now um he, i think he's nearly older than me um <laughs> don't laugh and um but um i think yeah look, it, for me itchy feet is the the obvious one to to maybe give uh, Paisley Park more to think about you know he's he's got the speed he was um third in the supreme novice hurdle um he obviously won a grade one of the fences and I think Ollie Murphy's horses have really bounced back to form now in the last sort of couple of weeks um brewing up a storm was a good winner the other day I just think yeah his horses are really in good form um he might just sit behind Paisley Park and try and do him for a bit of a speed as much as anything else and if that happens um sometimes you can get a slightly false false result um so yeah i think for me itchy feet is a big a big price um when paisley park is so short that's an interesting angle um paul callahan who are you siding with i'm with paisley um <laughs> i think he looks more like more like paisley um the last day um you know, he's 10 pounds higher than the, than the next best rate which is itchy feet in the race um I, but i still i can't see can't see get of, of an obvious danger. I think it was the ages for me. I think bar disaster. I think Paisley Park wins. I'm inclined to agree. Chris Lodo, anything to add? 
No, I will agree to think on Paisley. He should take all the beat in here. Itchy feet is interesting, like Dickie said there. Um, come back over hurdles when he was previously tried over fences, and he bumped into Dashiell Drasher last time. He boosted that form to somewhat of a degree, didn't he, by winning that uh, handicap very gamely from the front last week for Jeremy Scott. Uh, I think the step up in trip is interesting as well, because to me, I think he, I think he looks like a horse that's maybe is worth a go at going up and trip he's been doing a lot of his best work late on i think if i remember correctly he was in that race last time where he looked like he was well beat but then he managed to plug on and he rallied quite strongly um at the end of his race so that is interesting um yeah away from that i'm i don't think there's anything really to worry about for for paisley it'd be interesting to see how the tactics uh play out it's obviously well known that Paisley always likes a good, a good gallop to aim at, you know, and he does sometimes hit that uh, customary flat spot and then he rallies again strongly and always does his best work late on. But yeah, uh, if Paisley is anywhere in the form he was at um, Ascot, yeah, he, he'll take all the beating. Lovely stuff. So to round up for that race, Chris Loder and Paul Callahan are both hoping for a Paisley win. Um, currently, best price available is eight to fifteen, and then Richard Johnson is hoping that Itchfeet can give him a run for his money at nine to two, and hoping for a good ride on you know what I mean, Harry, who is currently at sixteens. So, on Doncaster for the three fifteen Sky Bet Handicap Chase, it's a listed race. Let's go with Chris Oda first this time. Yeah, there's probably no secret what I'm going to go with here because I just love this horse, and that is I right for Harriet Graham. Off a mark of 151, I still do think he's got a big race of this nature in him. I've put him up for the Charlie Hill. I've put him up for, for the Labrooks at, at Newbury. He was maybe slightly disappointing in the jumper's bumper at Newcastle, but those things are, can be hard to read sometimes, and it was the first time he'd run in that kind of race for a long time. Um, you know, I don't think... Uh, the horses at the top of the bet, and I'm not. I'm not so sure how much they've got to come. I know Can Canelo was a nice winner in in the uh, the Road America at Weatherby, but he has been raised now quite high in the handicap, and I'm not sure that was actually a particularly strong renewal of that race. But you have to respect his chances with Alan King and great guns at the moment in these big stay and handicaps. Obviously, won the the classic chase with not a chance. Captain Nord obviously as well. Obviously, it's gonna. Um, have that form claim with Royal Pagal and that being boosted and he bumped uh, he, he actually beat Canelo at Newbury on his penultimate start he's obviously the progressive horse in the race but I just think Kai Wright brings a lot of good solid form to the to the table I think he's a double figure price I've seen out there and I think he'll be a cracking bet each way um, and I think he'll be ridden handily that's the way he normally likes to be ridden and I think off a mark of one five one, he he will go very close, and he'll be hopefully involved in the finish. It's funny when you mentioned I write, and when you emailed it over to me, I was like, that does not surprise me at all. This is a Chris Loader classic. So, Rich Johnson, anything taking your fancy for this race? Um, well, if if Cheltenham's off, um, hopefully I'll go up there and ride Musical Slave. Um, he's you know, had a nice win on him last year at Exeter. He definitely stays the trip well, um, and he, he he doesn't mind soft ground. He's a horse that he ran over two and a half miles at Newbury for the first run of the season, and just a little bit 
always sort of in top gear and slightly out of his comfort zone. And I'm sure the step up and trip will help him. Um, I thought definitely that day that, you know, he, he would definitely be winning a race, hopefully very soon. Obviously, this is a very competitive race, but um, I, I would like to think that he'll be bang there with a big chance. Um, you know, I think I think the favourite, um, Capo de Nord, I think like he, he is obviously the, for me, you know, that run at um, Kempton was a good run. Like, I know the winner won well, but after the way he won on Saturday at Haydock, you know, he, he was, you know, Charlie Deutsch did actually have to ask the winner to go and win that day. It's not like he just coasted around. So I think that form is very, very strong. And, you know, you'd have to think that on that run, um, if he re reproduces that, he's going to be very, very hard to beat. Paul Calham. Yeah, I'd echo those sentiments. I'm with Captain Orr. Um, he's my nap for the weekend for the, the trainer, jockey combination of Christian Williams and Jack Tudor, who takes off a very valuable three pounds off of 10 stone nine. As Richard said, he, he was a good second. He was beaten just a little under four lengths by Royal Pagel at Kempton. He made a mistake, I think, at the first, which would have just maybe knocked his rhythm off. He got outpaced as well when the when the race quickened. He should get into defences, I think, if, if memory serves me right. But Donny, though, generally, you know, you have every chance of getting into a nice rhythm round there. I think it, Doncaster will suit him better than, than Kempton. Just, you know, he, he was beaten a little under four lengths by Royal Pagel, who's now rated 166. And he finished 19 lengths clear of double shuffle, who's rated 145. And he went up nine pounds for finishing second that day, which I think was was fair enough from the handicapper. And I fancy Captain Air to, to continue on the, the upward trajectory here. I really like the look of him as well. And I know um, Christian's got Grand National sites for him, um, which he'd need, what, a £7, £7 rise for? Um, so fingers crossed they can get that for him this weekend. So to round up that race for Doncaster, we've got Chris Loder with iWrite, currently 10 to 1 in places paul callahan with captain nord at five to two and richard johnson hoping he well maybe not hoping with because i mean cheltenham being cancelled but hoping that musical so can go well and maybe he'll be able to go up and take the ride so he is at eight to one currently any other bets chris loader yeah I, i've got to mention my nap obviously i've got a claw back that's 66 or it's plus that and also as well admiral Adramel on the naps table. Uh, I think uh, I think Paul's already cashed it in, but uh, I'm going to go with a bigger price uh, selection this week for my nap. I've got Shang Tang for Emma Lavelle and Adam Wedge in the Albert Bartlett trial at Doncaster. The 240 was an interesting contender. I know they think quite a lot about this horse, and Emma Lavelle won this race back in 2018 with a horse called Enescoffee Oscar. And it's a track she always does really well at. If you actually go and delve into the statistics, um, she's actually got a 25% all-time strike rate at Doncaster. And if you backed them blind to a £1 stake, you'd be up £20. So she's got a good record at the track, so you should always take note of her runners. This horse, I think, has been crying out for a step up and trip. He was pulled up last time uh, in the Lanzarote at Kempton, but I just don't think the, the nature of the track particularly suited him that day. And also as well... I just think he, he he just lacked a little bit of speed around Kempton. Whereas I think the long galloping straight at um, Doncaster might just play to his strengths. He beat a horse of Paul Nichols called Southfield Harvest um, very well at Ascot back in November when 
going from the front showing a good battling attitude I think those qualities might serve him going up and trip and for me I think at 14 to 1 in a race where there's quite a few in here that don't particularly stand out some of the ones at the top of the market I thought were quite exposed or I kind of hit their peak maybe on their ability for the season I just thought Shang Tang going up and trip to three miles he might just be able to unlock a little bit more more there and I thought he was uh, well overpriced at 14 to 1 so he will be my nap for the weekend Lovely stuff, Richard. Have you got any other horses um, you want to mention for the weekend or for the week even? Um, no, I think we we better well tell them we mentioned all my sort of the, the, my my nice rides. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still uh, me myself and um, the Tizars. We're, we're still very keen on Native River's chance in the Gold Cup, so we're just hoping he can, if it's on, um, you know, just show his well being. And um, they decide to come here this year rather than going to the Denman that. Sometimes the grind can be just quick enough for him at Newbury, and so that's been a, a sort of a, a plan to come here um, rather than there and, and a stepping stone to, to March. So, fingers crossed he, he can show well on Saturday. Paul Carhan, anything to add? Um, not a whole point. There's a horse that, that would get my attention at Fairy House in the, the 158, I think. It's a mare's novice order, a grade three, down at McLaughlin Train, Delvino, Adam Shorts on board. I know. I think she's disappointed when she was last seen. She only finished beat two home at Fairy House, but I think she's a mare that she, by Dylan Thomas. I think she's a mare that connections like a lot, um, and I would fancy Delvino to to bounce back and certainly go close in the one fifty eight at Fairy House on Saturday. But apart from that, you'd be looking forward to, to Shishkin, I suppose, at Doncaster. You'd be looking forward to to watching him and hoping that we'll see something a little bit special once again. I remember watching him race last year um, and I was stood in a gift shop with my little nephew who was seven years old and I was screaming at my phone, God! <laughs> my nephew was sat there like, why do you always do this to me? <laughs> so I absolutely love watching that horse run. Um, so any questions, anyone, for Richard Johnson? Yeah, I've, I've got one. Um, I'm a really big fan of a horse that uh, you've ridden a couple of times for, for Phil Hobbs called St. Bart's. Um, do we know what the long-term plan with him could be? Uh, I'm not quite sure, but he's um, he's definitely, like, he's only a novice chaser, but he's 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 taken defences really, really well, jumps very nicely, stays very well. Um, I suppose he'll, he'll definitely have an entry in probably two or three races at the festival. Um, he, he's had a few... Again, a few options to run over the last couple of weeks, and the owners have been quite keen, sort of, not to run him on very, very heavy ground, and sort of really. I think the trouble is, you can run a horse at the moment. You know, it's a really nice horse, but if they have a very, very hard race, especially over um, three miles or plus, it can take them, you know, six weeks. Even it, it could be their last run, not last run of the season, but it can really knock their season sideways. So, um, yeah, they've been quite keen to try and stay away from heavy ground, but I'd say he'll definitely run prior to the festival um but i i would think you'll have yeah it could even be the national chase um at the moment i can ride him in the national chase <laughs> so um that wouldn't be such a bad thing after all well Callahan, anything to ask uh, just in regards of riding richard what do you see or what do you think has changed or do you know the biggest changes from when you've started riding to the to the present day and amongst like the riders approach to to races and, and kind of the culture in the way 
Um, I suppose, look, um, I think things are always going to change. Um, every sport, it, it always moves on and things start to different change, whether it's styles of riding or, or even, you know, how, how, how races are run. But um, I think, especially the last couple of years, we've seen much more soft ground than we did sort of 10, 15 years ago. And I don't really know why, obviously that's not my sort of department, but um, I think these days, you know, there's so many younger trainers coming through and, um, you know, you've still got to be on the best horse, but actually um, the type of horse you almost want now for the winter is, is has changed slightly from what I think it was 10 or 15 years ago. You know, there was it was all about flat X flat horses when I started. Um, that seemed to be where everyone was looking to buy the next superstar from, um, whether it's English Driver or, um, you know, um, whichever other horse. But now... I think the Irish point of pointers, straight the French horses, um, you know, the national hunt type horses seem to have come back to the fore again. So it's it's amazing how um, seems things seem to have gone full circle. It almost becomes like a, a fashion, doesn't it? Like a certain stamp of a horse is seen as more desirable. Yeah, I think especially when you you um, they, they go to sales and. Um, you know, they, they say at one time everyone wanted to go to new market sales and buy the flat horses because they thought it was quicker and sharper and, you know, better. Um, where now, whether they just didn't last or whether they just didn't fulfill their potential. Um, but I think, yeah, the, you know, you've seen the the sort of, I suppose, especially the people like Gigginstown, obviously, you know, they're, they're sort of winding down now, but they really sort of pushed the, the level of buying the, the national hunt sort of point of pointer and, um, those type of horses upwards and uh, poor Nichols now obviously he's been so strong for so so long um, and the majority of a lot of his horses come from France and um, you know it's getting harder and harder to probably find those horses now and and to afford them but you know they're but that's where they seem to be um, you know they're the two two main places that people go looking for the you know the stars of the future. My question for you would be in the time that you've been riding, would you say um, out of the saddle, the way um, you prepare yourself for racing is different, um, whether that's with fitness, with food and things like that? Yeah, I think so. Look, um, again, like every, every sport, I think we're, we're jockeys are much fitter now. Um, we probably slightly live a healthier life as well. Um, but I think, you know, as I'm older now, my body aches and aches a little bit more than it used to. And I, I do a, I've got an exercise, exercise routine I do when I get to the races every day, um, just to keep myself sort of, I've got to keep up, make sure that keep, keep trying to keep up with the young ones and, um, yeah, keeps you in good shape, but it's, you know, I think all that type of thing, you know, we're physios at the races now every day. Um, we do get dietary help as well from the PGA, which is, you know, all those things hopefully um, help. But I think also the, um, you know, obviously well issue or documented now, the, you know, the mental side of it, um, you know, as a jockey, you're always going to have money much more worse days than you are better days. Um, that's just the nature of the job. We can only have one winner every race. So, um, there is disappointment and it's dealing with it. And I think now with social media, it, it, it is a harder thing to do or to deal with now. And especially for, especially for the young jockeys coming up through, I think it's, it's a, it's a huge, um, thing that I never dealt with when I was young, you know, there was no, there was no Twitter or Facebook or, um, you know, any, anything else when, when I started you, the racing post or the sport in life was the only things you've got, uh, criticized or, or 
you know, or, or compared in. So now, you know, there is that sort of outlook um, for every young jockey will always watch the replay within 30 seconds on their phone um, when they come in and also go straight on Twitter. And if it was a favour and it's got beat, they probably got, you know, a few people saying some fairly unpleasant things. And it's, that's not a, it's not a nice way to be. Um, and I, I know social media is definitely a, you know, a good thing in many ways, but um, there's also the downsides to things like that, which which can be very difficult for young jockeys anyway. Yeah, I imagine the positives um, aren't always quite as at the forefront. Um, I guess it can help with sponsorship and getting rides and getting your name out there, but it is very, very easy to be negative. So I think that wraps everything up um, for tonight's podcast. So thank you, Chris, Paul and Richard for the analysis and tips. Um, so if everyone that is listening could just do anything that they can to get involved with the podcast, it helps us get the word out. So whether that is following us on Twitter, subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud or Spotify, that is all mega helpful. Um, Thank you very much, folks, and I hope everyone has a great weekend. If you are having a little punt this weekend, remember to gamble responsibly and take care.